we go see the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, I've never seen it. Should we read about it before we go, or? Um, no, I don't want to read about it. I just want to go. What do you want to know about it? Why it's there. You're listening to Rome Schooled, and this is a two-part show about the Statue of Liberty. And immigration. You can ask me any question you want. I'm used to kids. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Do you know why the Statue of Liberty is there? Well, actually, that was to welcome people who came to this country and they built this country the way it is. Because everybody in this country came from somewhere else. It was a gift from the French people to America. And then I think it's also there to show a woman's grace at all times, you know. I think it's lost its value. And it's a shame because although our country is a country of immigrants, right, it's also a country of laws. It was basically a statue that a sculptor wanted to sell to somewhere. And he tried to sell it to Egypt. But when New York City heard that other people were vying for it, they said, no way, we want that for ourselves. This is my second country. Right. <laughs> I am lucky. I have two countries. American equal opportunity, that's what it is. They different type of people and they protect the woman. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's like being who you are, and you can be confident with that. And everyone should accept that. I think it's a beautiful statue. That's it? It's there for art. Welcome to Rome School. This is our first two-part episode called You Are Welcome. Rome School is a show about the pleasure of finding things out in person, actually going there. I ask a lot of questions, and so do my six-year-old girls, Dana and Vern. So about a year ago, I realized we were spending too much time looking up the answers on the Google, so we decided that we would travel. It took some work, but now our weekends and summers and any breaks that we get, we wander around, and this show is the result. The girls' questions are just the launch points. They give us that child's sense of wonder, but the answers are not necessarily for kids. So we've decided to keep the kids in the conversation because they're my kids and they're going to be there while I'm doing the driving. Sometimes when I watch the news, I'm mystified as to who the United States is. I mean, who exactly are we anyway, anymore? We are taught that we are every culture, everyone who felt the pull of the so-called American dream. We were shown pictures of these huddled masses at Ellis Island, and the Statue of Liberty, and we were told that it's a melting pot. And we were taught about freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of movement, freedom to pick a career, freedom to drive a Winnebago across the country with your daughters. At the helm of all this freedom was this giant and unforgettable icon, the Statue of Liberty. But I've always been a little bit confused about this statue. It's not a simple symbol. In fact, We found in this episode that it means something different to almost everybody. So while the statue was originally ostensibly there to celebrate America's rise out of slavery and freedoms, we found from talking to people that the statue represents a welcoming beacon. It says to the people of the world, you are welcome here. But who is welcome? We learn a lot about immigration. We also learn a few unexpected gems about the statue itself. And as usual... 
The questions, the questions, the questions. Why do people want to come to the United States? How did they get here? Do they miss their family? Can they bring their pets? Were people nice to them? How did they get money? Where did they find a place to live? Were they happy here? We started our journey to the Statue of Liberty, of all places, in Hoquiam, which is right next to Aberdeen, in the very northwest corner of this country, in the state of Washington, 3,000 miles from the real Statue of Liberty. It's a mostly boarded up town in a beautiful Pacific coastal setting by the mouth of this river. Hoquiam means hungry for wood, because in the winter the storms come and they just fill the bay with giant old growth driftwood. The timber and fishing industries have faded and they've left long shadows on Hoquiam and Aberdeen. A friend of mine told me that near the foot of the bridge between Aberdeen and Hoquiam is a large replica of the Statue of Liberty. So I drove over there and I found it. I didn't have the girls with me though. I had just dropped them off uh, with their mom. There was a guy working on his car right next to the Statue of Liberty. Howdy. So I asked him. Hi. You live here? Yes, I do. I'm doing a radio piece about the Statue of Liberty. Oh, awesome. A friend of mine who lives in Seattle said she drives through here all the time and said there's a cool statue of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, that's how most people know where my house is. I just tell them, <laughs> if you know where Hoquiam is, you know where the Statue of Liberty is. That's where I live. Can <laughs> I record you talking about why you have a Statue of Liberty in the front yard? You know, you see something that you're really interested in because I've always liked the Statue of Liberty and the flags and everything. So I'm driving by here and I saw it and I never thought I'd live here. I did the military stuff, but I had a lot of trouble afterwards. I got blown up the first Gulf War. I got memory problems and stuff. So this house really ended up being a blessing, and I love that statue because everything about it is just giving something back to my country, really. You know? Yeah, and the Statue of Liberty, what does she mean to you as a statue? It's just everything about it. I mean, I love my country. That's the ultimate symbol right there. Mm -hmm. This country's done me well. I was on... Uh, welfare for a long time with my son and stuff, you know, and before I move out of this house or die or whatever, you know, uh -huh. the house falls down, whatever comes, you know, I want to get that statue restored. Wow. What uh, do you think's happening in the future? What's, what's the Statue of Liberty mean today? I, I think it's lost its value, and it's a shame because although our country is a country of immigrants, right, it's also a country of laws. I mean, you've heard all that stuff on the news. I've got friends that are Hispanic that I know dang well are here illegally, but they're hard-working people. They give something to the community. They're really close with their families, and I do everything I can to help them. Yeah. You know? But then there's people that come here, and they live on the system, and they get on welfare, and they never get off. That's the reason why I wanted off it right away. It, nothing's free. Freedom, freedom doesn't mean free, and th that's the mistake people are having. You know, and even these people across here, they have nothing where they come from. Okay, and I get that. All right, that's why it's really hard for me to say build walls and keep them out. I want to protect our borders, right? Because there are a lot of you know the crime and all the other stuff that comes across. But even coming from a family where my dad was a Muslim, I'm not. And it's a sad thing that's going on. But yeah. we've faced wars for centuries, you know. And we've had to do things we really didn't want to do. Just Hang on one up. second, because I'm going to get... My landlord lives in this back half right here. Uh -huh. And she's obviously been here longer than I have, so maybe I can get her out here. Okay. Give me one second. My name's Willis. What's yours? Hey, I'm Jim. Nice, nice to, meet to meet you, Jim. Yeah. I'll be right here. Okay, what's the question? Why is it there? Okay, well, it so was been... always more of a, a spiritual thing for me. It was more like an angel. As a child, that's what I always thought with the crown and the light, you know. And then I used to have an antique store here, and nobody ever could see it. And then my antique store became famous. 
And everybody, they still do. They stop and have their pictures taken in front of it. It became famous because of the statue? Yes. Did you put the statue in? Yes, I did. Did you make it? No, I bought it. It's aluminum, and then I had it um, metal flake. It kind of glows in the dark. That's great. I know. Oh, it's been there since 1992. And it really uh, helped with business when you had the antique store? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, why a Statue of Liberty and not like a, a gnome or uh, angel of the forest? Just out of curiosity, why? Well, her? this is far more magnificent. This is this is uh, patriotic. I mean, it, it symbolizes so much more than a gnome. And I'm not corny. Yeah. 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 Well, what does she symbolize for you? Because she means so many different things to different people. Like I said, it's a spiritual thing. It covers all the bases. You know, she's holding a light. She's guiding people into this country and not that I approve of that now with what's happening with the open borders because I don't know Ellis Island was intense my my grandfather came over with Ellis he was on Ellis Island but they but he made it in <laughs> I'm second generation in this country okay you know so we're, we're trying not to be a political show but you said you didn't approve but what do you mean what do you think of, um, what do you think she stands for now, when people see her? She stands for, um, well, there's still, there's still the, always liberty's gonna be there, you know, but, uh, it now is, it symbols, um, the Constitution. What part of the Constitution? All of it. Okay. So the things that the country was built on, philosophically. That's right. Even philosophically. The, even the okay. Second Amendment. That's Donna and her housemate Willis who gave us some interesting things to chew on. Like the real Statue of Liberty, the Hoquiam Aberdeen statue acted as a beacon for Willis to find his new home. But now it's a symbol of this thing that people seem to love to argue about. Immigration. Who can and who cannot come across the border? Who is and who isn't part of our country? But lest we should fall into that sinkhole of American politics, let's take a little side road now, because it's time for our first installment of the Rome School Immigration Policy Workshop. I'd like to take you behind the scenes in Rome School chambers, where our policy strategists are six years old. Let's say you're the leader of a country. How does that make you feel? Happy. Really? No, not happy. What? I don't want to be a president. I don't want to take care of everybody's beeswax. <laughs> Me neither. It'd be a lot of responsibility. Let's pretend that you're the president. You have a country. I'm gonna pick the United States. Okay. So you're the president of this country called the United States. South America. South America is not a country. It's a continent. Oh. You want to be the president of uh, Chile? Mm-hmm. Or Argentina? Chile because you're, it's your favorite food. Chile. Yeah, you're, Chile. Okay. All these people are coming along, and they, they say, yeah, things are so great in Chile, and." Uh, I've got family in Chile, and I'd like to move there. What are the things you're going to consider? They have to have passports. Passports? Why passports? Because they have to know where you, who you are and where you came from. And if you have ever, like, bombed a house like, or I've been in jail. I don't think the passport says anything about whether you were in jail or not. But let's say these people want to move to Chile. They want to become Chilean citizens. <laughs> and you feel great about that, right? Cause yeah. Because it's, it's an honor, right? Yeah. What a great country Chile is. And they make the best soup in the world. And what do they call it again? Chile. <laughs> so they all want to come and move there. Should we let them all in or just some of them or none of them? Um, some of them. Why don't I just let them all in? 
Because then Chile would, wouldn't have any other homes for peop, other people that wanted to come in. Like some of some place and then some of the other place and some of the other place. So you're suggesting a quota system from for all different places? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why do we want people here from so many different places? That, um, so they all can have different stories to tell to each other of what their lives were like in different places. Like in Africa, they have these trees and they produce this fruit. It can be as, it, it's full sizes as big as a pineapple. And they call it coca fruit. And it's what they make chocolate out of. So really? they have stories about oh, that. Yeah. I had not heard of that. I thought cocoa came from uh, beans. Well, so those, those beans come from those fruit. Those yeah. are the seeds of that fruit. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that. Why I want to come here is I'm from Estonia. It's in uh, Eastern Europe. I want my kids to see different people. I want my kids to grow up in a free, free world. Um, you know, seeing all these different people, how they are, how they act, um, what they are about, how they behave one to another. My name is Masoud Badakhshan, and uh, I own the store Haight-Ashbury Music in San Francisco and Gelp Music in Redwood City. You can ask me any question you want. I'm used to kids. Go ahead. Do you know why the Statue of Liberty is there? Well, actually, that was to welcome people who came to this country and they built this country the way it is. Because everybody in this country came from somewhere else. The only people who used to be here was American Indians. They all came from elsewhere. Black, white, red, yellow. And now, this is, that's what makes America, America. Where'd you come from? I came from Iran. I heard about this place in 1969, and I hitchhiked from Iran to come here. He says, well, this is all hate street is all about? Man, it was all boarded up, it was really bad. I was only 21 years old. All by yourself? Yeah. So you got out here, you had nothing. Start uh, cleaning apartments the first week or two, then I went to a restaurant someone told me about got me some cash and why did you leave Iran in the first place? Were you you were an artist and you wanted to No, I wanted a different life, you know. I, I saw what was going on in San Francisco. There was really not much opportunity for me in Iran during the Shah's government because I wasn't from a rich family and I was a young kid, I figured, you know what? America might be a good place to go. <laughs> could could this happen today? Absolutely not. Why? Um, because the people in power, or people who are coming to power, it's just like, it's a different world. It would never happen today. Yeah. It was just a different time. And I was lucky to be part of that time, because otherwise I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Why is the Statue of Liberty still there when everybody's talking about putting a wall? Good question. <laughs> That's a great question. You know what? Not everybody is talking about putting a wall. There is only a person who is trying to build a wall. But that's not going to happen. Believe me, it's not going to happen. You like meeting people from elsewhere, Vern? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, right? Where are you from? Portland, Oregon. Okay, so where are you now? What's the name of the city? California. Yeah. Exactly. So you came from Oregon, and now you're in California. 
That is what the free country is. You should be able to come and go. That's the whole idea. This is a nation all from different backgrounds, and now you come and go, there is no borders. So you came in just in time to be a part of the much-celebrated American dream. You came here as a street artist with nothing, and now you have this beautiful store that I've shopped at for yeah. decades. <laughs> you sure did. And so I decided in 1974 to go to music school. That's my friend Masood. He actually couldn't afford music school, so he went by working there. He went seven days a week. He cleaned. He did library work. He tutored. He did this from dawn until 10 p.m., um, and he loved it there. But after three semesters, his dad had a heart attack and somehow managed to come to the United States to have the operation. So at the same time, revolution was breaking out in Iran, the Shah's regime fell, and Massoud acquired a new little brother, a 13-year-old. So this was the end of music school for Massoud. But with all this going on, he still managed to pursue his passion for music. And one day, he needed a single bass string. So he went to the corner music store where he saw a sign that basically said, help wanted. It said they wanted a working partner. This meant the store, or part of it, was for sale. So Masood did a gutsy thing. It's something that changed his life. He didn't even have a bank account, but he decided to buy that music store. So he went to his old bosses at the music school, and he went to his professors, and he said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And they did. They co-signed for him, and he bought the store. And way back then, he said to all of them, I won't let you down. I won't let you down. And he didn't. June of 1980, I took over the store. I, I moved from my apartment in the back of the store. I lived in the back of the store for four years and taught guitar lessons. I worked seven days a week since June of 1980. But so, you never look like you're overworked. If you like what you do, it doesn't get to you that much. This all happened when Americans were being held hostage by Iranians, a lot of them for a long time. Can you see a world without borders? In a perfect world, it would, but I don't think it's going to happen. Not in our lives. No, the problem is there's also, you have to remember there's always bad apple and a good apple. Look at ISIS, you know. If they can get their way in here, they're going to probably destroy this place too. You have to have a gate. I'm not saying to put a wall, but you need to have a gate. And at least you need to interview each individual, you know, and, and figure out are they here to destroy what we have or are they here to help grow what we have? I think we need some form of a control between, I know, you know, here, I'm here and I came here. I was lucky, but I wasn't part of any group of people who would want to do bad things. My heart was in love and, you know, music and being a good person and I believed in karma and some of those people I don't think they even understand what karma is. I worked and I still do and it's nothing is handed to me for free. I work for everything I own and I, I like working. It's like I don't want anything to be handed to me for free. Okay, there's two things that happened with all the immigrants that we met and talked with. One thing is that they all said that the American dream, as it's known, is about work, an incredible amount of work. Sure, the streets of America are paved with gold, but you have to scrape and toil for every gram of that stuff. The other thing is more problematic. It's, it has to do with human nature, I think. 
So we talked to dozens of immigrants. Almost everyone we talked to was first generation. And everyone seemed like once you get here, you're ready to work hard and protect this country from immigrants. You're listening to Rome Schooled, and our episode is called You Are Welcome. It's about immigration and what the heck the Statue of Liberty is there for. That was Dana's question. The next voice you'll hear is that of Andrew Fair. He should be a judge with a name like that, but he's an immigration lawyer in New York City. Well, I can explain one thing. I had one client who was in a tight spot who needed to apply for his green card. That is his permanent residence. And he was a very accomplished and talented person and well-known in a certain field. The, the day he got his green card approved, he breathed a sigh of relief and he said, you know, we really need stricter laws to keep people out. <laughs> so I think that's the dynamic of what happens. The fact is, mostly everybody in this country were all immigrants. And whether it was nine generations ago, or your parents, or yourself immigrated here, once you get here, you kind of feel like, hey, I don't necessarily want to share this with uh, just anybody. It's kind of a human way. You'll see a theme here. Meet Duck. One of the things that we're doing is we're talking to people who, who came here from other countries. Right. Would you be uh, willing to talk to us for this radio show? Would you do an interview? Oh, no, my English no good. And I'm so ugly. No, no, no. no Duck, it's for, the, it's for the radio. And your English is great. Your English is great. And you were in the Navy. No, I have only, uh, only a year and a half in the Navy before, before the collapse of Saigon. I'm very young. I know. You were 21? Yeah, 21. Will you, I can introduce you to perfect English, girl or boy or man. Will you sit and talk to me for five minutes about the experience? Because you're perfect. I'm no good in English, but anyway, I can tell you whatever you, you want to know. Maybe stop by sometime tomorrow. Okay, we're going to come by <laughs> early in the morning. Don't worry, we won't have any pictures. Okay. I'll right. see you tomorrow. All right, thanks, Doc. Okay, Bye. see you. Bye-bye. Right now, we're going to go talk to Duck. Ducky. Duck was in the Vietnamese Navy, and from what I understand, he fought alongside American soldiers in the war in Vietnam. Isn't he not American? He's American. He was Vietnamese, though, in the 60s. He didn't become an American until 1975. He was in the Vietnamese Navy, which was our ally, fighting against North Vietnam. When the war ended, I, I have a feeling that we invited him to come here to immigrate because he had showed his loyalty to the United States. And we were letting people in back then, and he became part of what the United States is today. And he is also the guy who reupholstered the seats in our Toyota Winnebago that we drive around the country in. And he's our neighbor. We're going to see him right now. You ready? Okay. Put your shoes on. Is that why Mommy had us wake up so early? Today? No, it's just a normal school day. We're not really roaming today. We're just We're right here in town, and Duck is our neighbor, so we're going to go ask him. On our, on our way to school. He said we could come over and ask him questions this morning. It all has to do with your original question about why the Statue of Liberty is there. Uh, why did he come here? We'll find out. Yeah. Duck! Yes! How, how's it going? Oh my god, Tim, you got the daughter too? 
God, yeah. I say I'm too ugly. I, some customer want to take the picture with a chair. I said, no. So she can put uh, on the what, Facebook or whatever. Uh-huh, yeah. I said, no, don't do that. Do you remember my girls? There are two of them, though. Yeah, they're multiplying. So Duck lives right around the corner, and he has a no-nonsense shop that he proudly tells us that he owns himself. We originally went to talk to Duck about this other issue that we're going to explore in the next episode about the Saigon baby lift. We never guessed that Duck, our neighbor, would have such a story to tell. They're putting in all the big high-rises and everything. I pay off 20 years ago. You're going to be a rich man. You pay 40% capital gain. This country, you only supervise You supervise your properties? Yeah. That's interesting. Not like Vietnam. So in Vietnam, you can actually own something? Do you own? It's all yours. No, you don't pay nothing. What about the American dream? You own something and... You, you just manage. You just be a manager of the what you own. Because of all the taxes. And the living cost, very high. Yeah. Heaven on earth is here, I have to say. The United States is heaven on earth. But why? You go on street, you don't worry somebody come and hit you and steal from you. Not, not like overseas. Yeah. You have a cell phone like this... Five minutes, it's gone. They come and take it on your hand, and they chop your hand off. They cut the hand off to take that. Really? In Saigon or...? In every town. They have the group of people doing that. But so many tourists now go over there. Oh, tourists. They protect tourists. Why? Because of the dollars? Yeah. You came here in 1975. Yeah, yeah. The last day of Saigon. The last day? Yeah, very last day. Tell me how that happened. Oh, I was a Navy nurse. And then the last, on the 29, everybody go to the Vietnamese Navy ship. I was too young to know what happened. And my friend said, oh, they all go on the ship. Let's go. Because I look around and nobody there. So just I bought the ship and they take off. So Saigon was falling, but you weren't aware because you were just... No, too young. And, but well, also you were working. And, and, yeah, I was in the Navy hospital, so... And there were lots of casualties, lots of injuries, right? When I uh, aboard the ship, there were about four or five people tried to climb over the fan. They shot dead, hang, hang on the fan. Wow. The North Vietnamese? Or no, the South guard? Vietnam, the guard. Because they were... You're not supposed to go yeah. over the fan. They shot you, hang. But you were, you were allowed to go, on. I allowed to go because I was stationed there. And then, so that ship came here? No, they came to Philippines. The Philippines? Yeah. And by that time, we know... We never see see home again. How'd that feel? And I, I cried for a couple of days because I was young and I don't have no relative, no family aboard. Oh, I miss my dad and mom and all my relatives because yeah. I was so young to left home. What happened to them? They think I did because after three years, I didn't contact them because of the communist. If they know I'm the U.S., they kill my family. See? So you didn't contact them to protect them? Yep. And then they already have my picture in the wall and have a mask and pray for me. Wow. After three years, I wrote the letter home with fake name. I am the friend with Doug. Do you, you have any idea where he at? And my family know my writing. Wow. And they throw that away quickly. So, so then when was the next time you saw them? Six, seven years. Yeah. And it was safe to go back then? Oh, yeah. Four sisters, four brothers. Wow. Still there. They must have been really happy. Oh, they are, because after that, I just work a couple jobs and send money home. Yeah. They miss me dearly, but they're so happy because I'm here. Yeah. To keep them alive. Right. All right. that time. A lot of people went back and go to Yale. 
and went to jail. Yeah. Because they, they miss their wife and children. Oh. Those people have kids like this. You don't want to left them behind. Yeah. You go back. So they took the risk and they went back. Yeah. So you went to the Philippines on the ship. Yeah. And then how did you get here? Oh, uh, from Philippines, I went for four months. And the church group sponsored us to Manhattan, New York. Wow. <laughs> and did they find you, help you find a job? or? They just throw us in a hotel. And every week they come in here, $20. Because we don't have to pay bill. We don't speak English, nothing. Uh-huh. Just here, $20. Wow. Well, how did you get all of this started then? I worked for the laundry place. Uh-huh. The manager, he said, Doug, this is no future. Try to go to school somewhere, somehow, learn the skill. You can come in, work anytime you want. You go to school. I went to every antique dealer. I said, hear my name. Do you ever need something? Call me. Yeah. After two years, I flooded with people. Yeah. Love yeah. Uh, Doc, were people nice to you? Oh, they're too nice. When I came land to New York, we walk uh, at night time because we're so young. All night long, we get lost. We have the address on hand. So the police, they take us home. <laughs> they yeah. love Vietnamese. Yeah. Because we don't have the uh, bad reputation then. Not like now. You have a bad reputation now? No, too many. Make trouble. V- Vietnamese? Mexican, Laos, uh. Cambodian. So the, the country has changed the its attitude towards, changed. towards everybody outside. Yeah. Right? 1976, you get locked, the police take you home. Yeah. Now? No, now they kick you from behind. We're moving backwards a little bit. Yeah. I think the Statue of Liberty is there. If? If um, a lot of people are talking about putting up walls. You know the walls that have been... Yeah, they uh, worry about the terrorists and bad people. Should we? Oh, I think we should because we're so crowded now. We're flooded with people. We don't know who, who the bad one, who the good one. But there's so much space here. Yeah, but the, the country, did they heaven? Heaven or not, it's here. The money fill up the street. But so, but doesn't it seem like there's room here for more people to move here? <clears throat> yeah, there's more room, but when they come here, they do bad things, like the Syria. They're going to take a hundred thousand some. The Syrian people is... The Syrians, the, yeah. the, the refugees. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some bad make the whole country look bad. Right. So but how many are bad, do you think? I mean, like, just guessing. It's just yeah, the, maybe uh, not even one person. Just a few out of the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. But that was always the case. It's just why, I know. why do we see it differently now? Oh, but too, too much trouble, you know, because people, uh, one bad one... Make the whole neighbor look bad. But yeah. just a few. and I... Yeah, just a few. Like, like me, if uh, Vietnamese people uh, go to jail, I hope they stay there for good. Huh. Just but... like the upholster. One guy, one shop do bad, make the whole upholstery guy, oh my God, they are no good. Right, like used car salesmen. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. yeah. Well, but so the, the thing is that it's the perceptions that have changed, not the reality. Re- in reality... There's always been a few bad apples, but now it seems like we've closed our borders or, or we want to put up a wall and everything's changed, but the reality isn't any different, except for maybe the, the technology. But uh, the, the world needs USA. If, if we don't have USA, oh, the whole world goes to hell. Seems like everybody that see the statue, it's in uh, freedom.
Does this kind of talk start to sound familiar? I mean, we're having a rational discussion with our good friend Duck about immigration. And here's that immigrant's dilemma again, where very often the last one on the boat, literally in this case, the last person on the boat, wants to roll up the gangplank or whatever it is that a boat has that lets people onto the boat. But what always seems to happen is that when you ask somebody for the rationale about why our borders need to be more secure than ever, they either go to terrorism, which actually seems rational to a point, or they go to how important the United States is and how we're here to basically protect and save the world. So the question keeps coming up, at least as filtered through the Rome-schooled lens, uh, which is normally the windshield of our increasingly decrepit Toyota Winnebago RV, is how can we help the world? How can we protect it if we don't know the world? And how do we know the world if we don't let it in or go to get to know it? So we're here doing our best to know it and to ask as many questions as we can. We are soon going to New York City to see the real Statue of Liberty. But driving there at this time of year is gonna get me in trouble with the girl's mom and the principal of their school. So spring break is coming up, and we decide that this will be our chance to take a trip to New York to see the real Statue of Liberty and to talk to as many people as we can there. But first, we're gonna take a break to check in on our Rome Schooled Immigration Policy Workshop, see how that's going. What do you want your citizenship to be like? Do you want it to be people who know how to have a good time and can really laze around and People that like know each other and like they can go to their neighbor's house and like have a play date. And have a play date, okay. What about, um, what if people did speak different languages? Should you let them in if they don't speak the national language of Chile? I should let them in. Regardless of what language they speak? Yeah, because they can learn English. Oh, so is English the official language of Chile? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know anything about Chile. <laughs> I only know that it tastes really good. <laughs> so, but let's keep going with this. So what happens if you let in people who speak all different languages, and then they start to argue? Let's say that a couple of the Pig Latin-speaking people have come in, and they drained all the water out of the swimming pools. So when the rest of the Chileans went to go swimming, they bumped their heads, and some people got hurt, um, all because of these Pig Latin-speaking individuals. So remember, you're running out of space, and you've got to decide who to let in. Um... Well, who do you not want to let in? Um, the Pig Latin people. Why not the Pig Latin people? Because they're ca already causing trouble there. Do you think all of them are causing trouble or just a couple of them? All of them. <gasps> all of them? Do you have proof of this? Yes. <laughs> you do? Because they drain the pool. Well, only but, some could do that. Yeah, There's it only like 100 pig Latin people, and 100 pig Latin people would not take to drain the pool. It would only take one or two. <laughs> they could be doing other stuff. So you just don't trust the pig Latin people? Huh. Well, that's human. But pig Latin's a fun language, and those people know how to have a play date, so they should be allowed into the country, right? Some of them? Yeah. But how do you figure out which ones? How about the best-looking ones? No. Why not? Because it doesn't matter what your face looks like. Well, what matters? What you do. What you do? Okay, so what does a person do in their life? They go they, to school, usually. They go to school. They... They eat, sleep. Yeah, and then what do they do most of the day, a lot of people? Play. <laughs> 
<laughs> what else? Work. 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 <laughs> so, you do it every day. Every day. So how does the work play into it? The, of the people that are coming in, should they be people who work or people who don't work? People that work. Why? Because they'll make more businesses and then our town will get bigger. Do you want the town to get bigger? Uh, yes, that way I can. There, there can be more people in the town because more people want to go. Also, maybe they would build nice things or build apartments, yeah. houses. And there would be more room for Pig Latin people, though. And we've already said we got to watch those Pig Latin people, right? Yeah. The Chilean Pig Latin problem is very controversial. I'm glad you're dealing with it so thoughtfully. Thoughtfully, yes, but obviously not accurately. But give them a break, people. They're six years old. So for a more seasoned look at immigration policy, we went to talk to immigration lawyers. Andrew Fair, as we said, is in New York City. Rachel Game is in Portland, Oregon. These guys don't know each other, they don't work together, but if they did, their law firm would be called Fair Game. I think that people should understand how much a lot of people are giving up in order to come here. So I feel like I should know this, but how do we do it now? Are there quotas? There are. So you can go to the Department of State website, and they have a visa bulletin, and that decides who gets to come in, and there's a certain number, and they also distribute it among countries. And if the number of people exceeds that number, then there's a line. There's pretty much always a line, except for immediate relatives and some employment base. Like, so if you're some fantastic neurosurgeon, maybe you get to come in, or if you have a lot of money, you get to come in. Explain that. Well, they have um, investor visas, so if you have either 500000 or a million dollars, depending where you're going to invest and how many jobs you're going to create, you get to come in. What do you think of that? Um, well, if you're going to create jobs, I guess that is something good for the economy. Um, I certainly don't have any clients that are in that group. Um, the people who came here were very poor. My grandfather walked out of Russia and when he got to England, he sold his shoes for a ticket to come to the United States. And he came here barefooted. When people came here, they were on the boat. When they saw the Statue of Liberty, they would cry because it meant something, that they were finally able to live a good life. Uh, most of my Mexican clients give poverty as the reason they came and family unity. So we have a lot of people who came here because their dad or mom came here in the 70s and 80s to work in agriculture and maybe some of the family was left down in Mexico and when we saw the transition away from communal farms to large agricultural farms, a lot of people lost their ability to live and so the families migrated up north here. So who do we let in the gate? I would say very few people get to come here legally. Um, if you want to come here legally, get in line. If I'm a resident, I'm a lawful permanent resident, and I want my wife and children to come here, do you know it can take 20 years for them to get to the front of the line? And so meanwhile, families want to be together, and so families come up here. Um, so if you can prove that you've got an ag job, can you come in? Does that skip you up on the line at all? No, especially if you're already here um, and you have more than one year here undocumented, then you would have to go back and wait outside for 10 years before you'd be allowed to come back. 
there is a famous poem. The poem, give me your tired, your poor, your people yearning to be free, something like that. The huddled masses? Huddled that... masses. The huddled masses, yes, I've heard them. Makes me think of a ship. That poem is really what made the Statue of Liberty famous. And that's what it, it became a symbol for people. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. Who do you think those tired, poor, huddled masses are? Um, poor people. No, um, slaves. Ooh, hmm, interesting. Okay, Dana, you read the next two lines. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed, to me. And then what? I lift my lamp beside the golden door. What's the golden door? Slavery. Slavery, you're on the... And then it shows you the way to get out of slavery. This poem is often interpreted as being uh, about immigrants. The woman who wrote this poem, she was asked to write a poem as part of a contest to raise money for the landing of the Statue of Liberty because it was a gift from the French, but they didn't give us any place to put it. So we had to build a base for it. A lot of cement and a lot of building. So there was a campaign to raise money for it, and there was a contest, and the contest was uh, involved having Emma Lazarus write this poem. And the poem has been many times interpreted as being about immigration. But Ellis Island didn't even exist when Emma Lazarus wrote the poem. Immigration was still in the hands of the states at that point. But you're but saying... She, do you know what she really thinks it's about? No, because she died just a few years after she wrote it. Oh, God. Oh, how... Was she old? I think she was in her 40s, which was kind of old for back then. But why'd she die? I don't know. That's something I don't know. But Vern, you have a theory about what it's about, which is interesting. The golden door. She holds her torch near the golden door, so it lights up the passage so um, people who are slaves can get out of slavery. The golden door is a door out of slavery. Did you come up with that on your own? But I think I did, but I feel like Daddy? I didn't. <laughs> Daddy? Well, I didn't come up with it. I never thought of it that way. This statue was from an era when slavery was being gradually recognized around the world as being a bad thing. How can you tell from looking at the statue that that's, that that's what it's about? Uh, it's stepping, stepping out of chains, and that's why I think it's um, about getting out of slavery. Vern actually hit it on the head. What we've learned about the Statue of Liberty so far is that she wasn't originally put there to welcome immigrants. Rather, the statue was a celebration of freedom, freedom from a couple types of oppression. One, the oppression of a nation and its quest for independence, and secondly, the abolition of slavery. So whether you view the Statue of Liberty as a symbol of freedom or as a beacon that welcomes newcomers to everything that freedom and hard work earn, it's upsetting to people to watch the meaning change. We thought, hey, you know, we were all immigrants. Why don't you come on over like we did and we were more welcoming. Over time when issues about immigration that have come up over the years, People look at the poem and they say, oh, it's not really true. We don't want your, the huddled masses. Uh, let them stay back where they are. The nativists began to think, you know, they don't want other people coming here. And they started looking at who are the others. 
So the Chinese Exclusion Act was um, in the late 1800s, um, 1882, and that was really when we start to see the first laws that are aimed towards keeping a certain group out. And that was in response to that there were a lot of Chinese workers in California. And as the, um, there was an economic depression in California, and people began to see the Chinese as maybe becoming too successful. Uh, why is the Statue of Liberty still there? Because everybody's talking about putting a wall between Mexico and... Oh, what a good question. Well, how can there be two ideas like that that are so opposite, right? You have the Statue of Liberty, which is a lot of people say that's what it means. We want to welcome people to the United States. But if there's a wall, it only means one thing. Immigration has always been political f football and uh, been used by politicians to stir people up. And, uh, and, and I think basically it's no different now than, than what it has been over the last century and a half. Well, that's refreshing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's unsettling for sure. I think um, it's kind of like America is of Jekyll and Hyde, a little bit about immigration. I think Americans have gigantic hearts. On the one hand, they say we don't want them. On the other hand, I think Americans are really generous. So the, the generosity streak won out then. then. Right, right. Listen, this episode of Omre Ulbske is almost over. We ran into somebody on the road that just had to be included here, a kindred spirit. He's a real roamer, rambling Jack Elliott. Sedge Thompson introduced us when we were passing through to do his show in Sonoma County, and we passed the morning listening to a rambling Jack Elliott story. Jack's sort of a walking museum of America, and he carries with him the ghosts of his good friends Woody Guthrie, Jack Kerouac, Neil Cassidy, and others that make him perfectly suited to wrap up, or rather not wrap up, our first of two episodes on immigration, the Statue of Liberty, and other things. Why is the Statue of Liberty still there? Because some people are talking about putting a wall. Mm, that's a very good question. Because if they keep that wall up, Maybe they should just tear down the statue. That would be honest. I don't know. I, I don't like walls myself. Walls are for prisons and fortresses, and, you know, they're for bullets to bounce off of. So your nickname is not from rambling around the country, but from telling stories. Yeah, well, I do. I, I know a couple of stories. What's the most important element of well, a story? Well, told me in school when I went to school that a story must have a beginning, a middle, and... An end. That's right. And My stories end. have a beginning and a middle, but they don't have any end. They just keep on rambling, and it's hard to snip it. Would you think that every story needs to have some kind of a... Problem? Problem? 
Well, it should have a meaning, and a, the problem will develop. Yeah, even if it didn't, if you didn't have a problem, if you get loose enough. My method of storytelling is, uh, and this goes for I say that I made it up with my own mouth. There was no brain power involved. You just get your jaw going at the right rhythm, and the right syllables come falling out of your mouth. You think that's how rappers do it? I don't know what rappers do, but I'm, it's sort of like, yeah, I think that's how they do it. Get that rhythm going, and then the words will just flow. What about what your mom always tells you about thinking before you talk? How does that fit into that? It's a good idea to try to be aware and awake when you're thinking before you talk. What about not a story, but a real journey? When you're rambling out in the real world, not telling a story, but when you're traveling, or just, you take travel. your, just take your truck out or whatever, what's the most important part of that? Well, I can go if I want to take a side road or look for a place that has good sandwiches or, or just see a place where they have an interesting piece of scenery, a beautiful hill or a farm or a ranch that I'd never seen before. I can turn that steering wheel and go wherever I want to go. Choices. I think that's what the Statue of Liberty was about, too. Freedom to do what you decide you want to do in your life without being told by some higher being. What are you going to do today? Where are you rambling onto in your big truck? I'm out there to meet the guy who accidentally named me Jack, Commodore Tompkins. What are you going to do? Well. I'd like to get him to help me bail my dory out, which is full of rainwater right now. We'll help you tomorrow. We're coming through. We can give you a hand. You are. It's not really on the way anywhere. It's about uh, 25 miles out of the way. So we do. We go out of the way. We're roaming. Tomorrow, turn the heat up. How many people are coming? It's me and the girls and Ben. Ramblin' Jack reminded us that the best way to find out is to roam. So, we're going to New York, not by RV, but by plane. And we're going to meet the lady in person and get to know her a little better. We'll see you for part two. Thanks, everybody, who talked to us for this episode. We'll be back very soon with the continuation of this episode. I'm not sure where you're listening to the show. I can't tell. But if you go to our website, there's a slideshow that goes along with each episode that has pictures of some of the voices and the places that you're hearing about. There's also a lot more information about the show, a place that you can donate, buy us a tank of gas. And I think we'll put a longer version of our funny conversation with Ramblin' Jack that includes a story of how he got his name. He alluded to it there in the excerpt that you heard in this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Please let us know what you think or get involved in the show. You can write me at jim at romeschooled.com. You've been listening to Romeschooled, which I write and produce with invaluable production assistance, concept, and website development by Lydia Ritchie. She also does the graphics. Ben Landsberg is a true character, and he helped me compose and record all the music for the show. Ryan White is an associate producer and writes about the show, including reaching out to get more people listening, which is something I ask for your help with as well. Thank you so much for listening to Rome School. Rome School.